Well, welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm your host, Dungeon Master Mitch, and today, myself and Neil are joined again by our good friend, Aram Vartian. And we're going to be talking about a subject that is, one, near and dear to his heart, but also just fantastic and awesome to talk about for us Dungeon Masters and looking forward to new ways to bring excitement to your home campaigns, which is demigods. And specifically, we'll be talking about demigods as playable characters. And speaking of demigods, if you are a Patreon dragon, gold or up, you can head over right now to our Patreon page and you can get, if you've been following along with our story times, I have been releasing the power cards from the campaign that I am currently playing in for each of the characters in that campaign. We'll talk a little bit about that in this episode, but I created a whole new set of power cards for a demigod of strength that you can use in your homebrew games. So head on over to our Patreon, check that out. Also, of course, there's a new story time out this week for you who are silver Patreon Dragons are up. Go and check that out. Before we move into the meat, we of course have some five-star reviews to give shout-outs to. And our first five-star review comes from David Mathman, as entitled, Best Ideas, Five Stars. This podcast is so full of great ideas. One of my best sessions was a heist after I got inspired by the heist episode. Awesome. So thankful that that episode brought a fantastic time to your home table. David Mathman, thanks for listening to the show and thanks for writing in that review. Our next review comes from Canada and it is by DM Dominus entitled The Best There Was is and ever will be five stars what a fantastic title the best podcast on DD there is period there is a wise rogue by the name of jamie briscoe he is a good friend my first dm and my introduction to the greatest game that has ever been created when i felt that i was ready to take a seat behind the screen he introduced me to you guys dungeon master mitch chris and neil have been with me every role I've made behind the screen. A limitless pool of inspiration for DMs new and old. I cannot stress how much you guys have helped me along the way. Love this show. Keep it up. Never stop recording and I'll never stop listening. Thank you so much, DM Dominus. We will make that our goal to never stop recording so that you can never stop listening. Thank you so much for that review. And now, everybody, you know what time it is. Let's head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today on the meat, we have a very special guest. Someone I got to see at Gen Con. That's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But Aram Vartian, DM and creator of the God's Fall and the Rise of the Demigods. That's important. Actual play podcast and an all around great human being. 
Aram, thanks for coming back. Well, thank you for having me back. It's been a while since we've had you back. Quite a few episodes. Uh, We love having you on the show. But since you have been on last, you've had uh, some changes specifically. Uh, There's a new podcast that Neil just said (laughs) you are the the DM and the creator of Rise of the Demigods. Uh, For any of our listeners out there who haven't heard about Rise of the Demigods, tell us a little bit about it. So Rise is a story I've been working on for a while, and it takes place about 105 years before the events of the God's Fall podcast. And I did it for two reasons. One, I just had this prequel that I've been working on for a while that I really wanted to open up more of the story of the world. And two, I live in Chicago now, and my old crew lived in D.C., so just for the sake of being able to record and produce on a regular basis. Also, I wanted to try to do video uh, after my ex- my experiences doing video with uh, D&D, I thought I can I can do this. So I built a home uh, studio and we now do a video show and then also put the audio out as a podcast as well with, you know, a very similar uh, production, music, voiceover and, and editing from God's Fall. Just not quite as tight because you can't make that many cuts in video yeah. without it looking very <laughs> weird. So we've got we've got same world um, as the God's Fall world. You're expanding that, expanding the lore of that with the players that you're playing with, and like with the move now, it's you are gaming with these people at the table. It's yeah. not over the internet. You're actually there's something special about that, and I think that will always come out. It's wonderful to have technology to be able to game with people that are in another state or another country, but something about having people there in real life, right next to you, adds another level. Yeah, there's a physical thing that human beings do, where we are just aware of each other when they're around us. And it leads to how we speak and how we interact and where we come into conversations. And if we pick up on a really subtle hand movement or clue or something, and you just, well, I play in several online games, and I really enjoy them. I love the stories week, week create through them there's just something you can't replicate unless you're around the same a table at least in my mind and so you also have last time we were on i believe it was last time you were you were on it, the god's fall book was in the works and getting printed and sent out and now uh the same thing is happening with rise of the demigods book so you have an ex- expansion book to add for anybody who has the God's Fall book to, and what is what does the that book offer that the God's Fall book did not offer? So that book it works in conjunction with the God's Fall book and with D and D five e in general, but it also works as a standalone book. And what I did with God's Fall is I took much of the world setting and created what a world would be like after the fall of magic and the gods. And I put very specific examples in there. And with the Demigods book, what I wanted to do is create similar systems, but have it be that they could create any Demigod, any theme, any ideas that they had and could easily incorporate and create their own abilities and divine feats, you know, and other options for them. And then the other half of it is my first uh, real stab at a adventure that I'll be beginning for young demigods who just found out their power as level one, uh, going to level five, and then there'll be subsequent books after that going to higher levels as well. 
And I just want to say as a consumer of RPGs and of board games and video games and all that kind of stuff, I just want to say thank you as a creator for creating something that adds on mm-hmm. but is also a standalone. Because, yeah. my goodness, the times that I pick up something and I'm like, this looks really awesome. I want to buy this. Turn it over to the back and go, needs the core set of this. Oh, it's a frustrating feeling. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it always has been for me as well. And I sometimes see books where I'm like, oh, I really like this particular idea. I'm not so invested in this whole thing, but I'd love to just grab yes. this. And, you know, I think if you're making a world book, you have to kind of make it more about the world mm. than yeah. about the rules. It has to be accessible to lots of people because you're trying to tell a story. So that's my philosophy behind it. Perfect. So you've already been on several times. So I found a surprise question that I think works well for returning guests. Okay. So the surprise question is from Mindweave RPG, aka Rorik, aka James Ack. He's an amazing person that helps us out a ton. But he wrote, if you were to write a surprise guest question for the show, what would it be? Oh, so my uh-huh. question to come up with a question. Yeah. Boy, that's a hard one. You could be a yeah. really, really <laughs> tough one. What would I ask people? I guess what I would ask people, uh, one of the things that uh, I, I had a real tough childhood. I think a lot of people who are attracted to RPGs had tough childhoods and maybe tough adulthoods as well. <laughs> and I guess my, my surprise question would be, was like, how, like, is there an event? Is there a time? Is there, is there a game that you found particularly healing that you found that helps you kind of identify with a group of people, maybe for the first time ever? Like, like is there an experience that helped with your mental and emotional state that you found through this hobby? That would be mine. All right, Mitch, you know what's required. You know what? We have to do it, right, Neil? Yep. Like, you got to answer. Can, can, we ask, can we ask you that, Aram, while we have sure. you here? Is there, is there a game or a character that was particularly healing for you, both as an adult or as a, as a child? Yeah, I think just as a kid, the concept of the game in general is what was healing. This ability, I, I stuttered so badly. When I, mean, I still do, but when I was a kid, it was every third word. And I found that when I did voices and when I was inhabiting a character, I didn't stutter. It's kind of like when you sing, you just don't stutter. There's certain things the brain does, right? If you speak in unison with other people, you usually don't stutter. It's strange. And for some reason, role-playing gave me that same ability. I could talk with people for hours on end and not feel stupid or unheard. And so that was incredible for me. Hmm. Awesome. So... Gen Con 50. It's the Blue Planet game that was with Rich Howard, Darcy Ross, Taylor Labresh, and it is it broke my brain because <laughs> I guess that's the best way to say it. So it's more that it, it felt like it unlocked something in terms of RPGs because contextually, and this, I mean, this will really send home for our listeners because you hear what kind of jokester I am. I was so invested in who I was and who I was with and what we were doing that for four hours straight made an unconscious decision to not make a single joke <laughs> because I was so in character and I was so invested and it was like, oh, okay. Not that I didn't know, but now I really knew that, that the level that so things... so unlike you. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. And imagine. so unlike neil powell at a convention because i've dealt with neil powell at a convention for a few years now and you are the most jokey person ever yeah so yeah four hours completely unconscious decision to not crack a single joke and 
the story went different ways. Jeff Barber, who who wrote Blue Planet, was the GM for it and is just uh, – he is an amazing human and I've never seen someone run a game so well. I mean he was legitimately yelling at me at one point and pulling me off to the side at other points to give me the information that no one else had. So yeah, it just unlocked like the the next intellectual level that a game could be at. Yeah, awesome, Mitch. Oh, I've, I've got to answer it now too. Well, yeah, um, I think for me it's just coming to Dungeons and Dragons, like like my home games, especially every other Thursday, and getting to sit down and DM for my friends is therapeutic for me. Like whether it's just kind of a normal stress week of just like, Oh yeah, jobs been, jobs been the job and life's been the life. Uh, or if it's like a kind of higher intensity, life's really been rough. Stuff has been happening. Jobs been rough, whatever it is. Um, for me, it's there. It's nice to sit down and watch TV and just really take a load off and relax. Um, Dungeons and Dragons and playing with my friends isn't that. Like, it takes energy and it takes work. We're all DMs here. Everybody listening, uh, most people listening have DM'd, know that you can put a lot of work into it, both at the table and before and all that. But I still, it, it revitalizes me. Um, it rejuvenates me. It, it just gives me something uh, that I that I crave for. And I don't know if that's like... I think it's a mix of like the world building, um, escapism, uh, and also I think just bringing joy, helping to bring joy to my friends and seeing their faces light up at things that we do, or even seeing them, them as their characters or as players traumatized by some things, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. That we do as a DM. It's yeah, it's it's hard to put into words, but I think that. I I know the the two of you and I think a lot of our listeners are probably getting exactly what I'm saying right now. So yeah, absolutely. Well, let's have fun transitioning <laughs> out of that. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Mindweave RPG, aka Rourke, for that awesome question and that all the awesome content that you you essentially created right now. Speaking of awesome content that's been created, Aram, I feel like you might know a little bit about demigods. <laughs> uh, just a little a, bit. Just a skosh. Um, yeah. So one of the concepts we wanted to talk about is kind of lore of the demigod. Like, how are they created? And um, that is as varied as the stars in the sky. But some of the basic concepts behind that to kind of give people ideas of how to put them in their homebrew world. Yeah. I mean, I went with, you know, the real classic easy answer. And that's like sometimes a god lays down with a non-god, and then there's a little baby god. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, that's as simple as mine was. The gods, when they lay down with gods, make other gods. When they lay down with mortals, they make demi-gods. Uh, there can be any endless way to tell that story. It could be that, you know, they were birthed under a waterfall or the first or the first a star of every September delivers a demigod. I mean, it could be anything. It could be literally anything. And that's one of the amazing things about it. I, I did it this way because I needed it done for mechanical purposes because I'm making a game. But as far as story background, I mean, it can be anything. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's the, especially because I think the most famous demigod stories that we have from myth, at least at least from what I've experienced that uh, 
people know of is like the Greek mythology. And that's that's 100 percent what it was with Greek mythology. And some of those origin stories of how did this demigod get made There's not even a lot there because it was just like, well, um, yeah, those Greek gods, they were okay with having relationships with pretty much anyone and anything. (laughs) Yep. And it didn't have to be in anyone. It could be in anything. And, yeah, it was – that's that's how a lot of these Greek gods um, came to be. It was their their father or their mother was – a god, like you said, but then some sort of mortal being was also their parent. Of course, you have you have famous ones like uh, Achilles and Heracles, or switching it over to a Roman mythology, which more well known of Hercules, uh, Perseus, uh, all very famous. But then you also get into other cultures like you have the Celtic mythology of Cuchulain, and then you have Gilgamesh. But the thing that stays consistent with these in the sense of lore of demigods that we're discussing is one of their parents was a deity. Yeah, I think another great way to look at origin stories for your demigods are just read comic books. There's a very there's a storied history of how that happens. It is weird, wonderful things because the one I had just learned about was Guy Gardner was a Green Lantern. He lost his ring, then come to find out that about a millennia ago, aliens had seeded their DNA into humans. So he unlocked new powers and basically could transform similar to his ring. But there's no reason why your character couldn't have that. It could have been this thing that was planted in your bloodline a million years ago. And you're the one that did X, Y, and Z the right way. Now you have these powers. And now you have a lot of questions, which is a lot of fun as well, of why am I a demigod? I think that's a core point with any demigod. I mean, I like coming of age stories in general, but it seems like with demigod tales, there's always like, you know, who am I? You know, why have I been abandoned, more or less, right? They're never like, you know, pals with dad, right? It's like, who am I? Why have I been abandoned? And what is my purpose in this world where I am both of and separate of the people around me? And then with that kind of mystery, especially if we like are talking about having players who are having their PCs be demigods. uh, Yeah, sure. They could they could grow up and they could know that they are the, the son of a deity, perhaps their mother or father, their mortal mother and father brought them up with stories of that and told them that. And I think that's something to like run by your players and be like, what is it that you're looking for, right? Uh, yeah. But personally, if, if I was the one going into it as a player to play a, a demigod, I like that not knowing. Uh, growing up, and especially if there are signs of something supernatural, that I'm stronger than normal, that I'm much more intelligent, that I have some sort of, I'm in touch with the arcane, something that's more than human, constantly going, what is going on here? And then you also lead up to eventually being able to have some sort of reveal to the PC that you as the DM can work with the PC to have there be a revelation moment. Yeah, that's, I mean, when I did uh, my first podcast, God's Fall, they were new gods who were just discovering their powers and i didn't tell the players anything they were just gonna they just picked i had i told them that all the gods were dead and who would they identify with if the gods weren't dead like who would your character identify with and that's what they became 
the gods of. So they didn't know any of that was going to happen. With Rise, I did it differently. Uh, the characters developed their own ideas, backstories, how that inter, how that you know interceded with the world, and was a little bit more organic that way. So you know, it's interesting. I think you can come at the story both ways. But I love the idea in general of people not knowing exactly what's going to happen next, and they just discover some of their abilities as they go along. I want to I want to ask like you guys and your thoughts on that is like the discovery the the revelation of who they are or it, like it can be it can be a like moment of like your father shines down comes down from the heavens right and appears and says you are my son something like that and it's like okay there's your reveal or it could be a progressive thing but how would you guys with how have you guys, I mean, you, you've done this, uh, <laughs> Aram, but how would you guys um, reveal with your players, what are some ways to have that discovery pan out? The interesting thing, because, well, I guess it's not interesting. I guess it's just dark, whatever. <laughs> the You had the light shine down. My other thought was bursting forth from the depths of hell. Yeah. Child, now is your time. And the other thing is, mixing in does the person know and they're not bringing it up because they don't want the rest of the party to know that they are the child of this evil deity which has no real bearing because they go going back to where they abandoned they they have no actual during that nature nurture there's no nurture by this individual so then Maybe they've just kept it a secret, but then how does that look? Now someone has literally burst forth from the depths of hell, and they're like, hey, you're my kid. Come on. We got stuff to do. I did it for each character. So when they told me their background and they told me there's – and not all of them have any connection with their parent god, right, at all yet. Some of them barely even know their back stories. But for the ones that I've done it with, like uh, one character, Astrid, is the demigod of Constellation. So it was the big – raised down from heaven moment right that you would expect something like that to be but the demigod of secrets is very very different and the demigod of bones is much darker and more disturbing so it's all depending on what the character actually has domain over i love that. for yeah. my story at least having it be specific to the power set that they are going to have yeah yeah um another thing i was thinking is the revelation doesn't need to come from the demigods uh, godly parent uh, but what if it comes from their adversary because it doesn't just have to be the parents that know right there can be others that know that aren't the demigod themselves mm -hmm. and so neil you talked about like s bursting from the ground to what if what if an evil god or a good god whatever is the opposite of your um, your parent comes and starts to want to kill you <laughs> because <laughs> he he or she doesn't want another demigod son or daughter of this adversary that he has. Or in another sense, it could be I just watched the first episode of Titans uh, on DC Universe and you have this scene where this fanatic uh, is going after Raven and wants to kill mm. her. And it could very much be followers of another God wanting they've, they've heard whether the God themselves told them or uh, they've read prophecies, but they know of a demigod out there that needs to be killed because if they're not killed, this prophecy will come to fruition 
that speaks against maybe their God's downfall. I think one of the word that keeps coming to mind, so I want to say it so I don't have to think about it anymore, which is the same way I operate with all bad jokes I have in my brain, is that it needs to be impactful for the character that the reveal is happening to. And I say that specifically to say that it does not need to be impactful for the group. It needs to be impactful for that individual character because it could be th- going to the constellations. It could be that that character looks to the stars and they see something that absolutely no one else sees. And there's hmm. this sudden realization that they are the child of this deity. And it is a hundred percent for them. And what they do with it at that point could be, anything that they need or want it to be. So at the same time, totally can just be raised from heaven and everyone is just bathed in this light and having no idea what's going on. But again, it, it needs to be impactful for the individual character that is getting that reveal. It's tough for me because we're coming up with, with all this like, as we go. The interesting thing <laughs> is that you like, you'd be married to certain ideas and then someone's just going to throw oh, yeah. something at you at the, at the beginning of a game. You're like, oh, that's better. Absolutely. We're actually going to go down that road. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, and you should as a DM when yeah. you go, mm, that's better. Like, yeah, that's it's a, okay. Make it sound like you're, you know, you can do the little nod like, oh, you've discovered my secret <laughs> plan. And that's <laughs> fine. But like, don't resist going with the superior yeah. idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I want to talk about having PCs being demigods. Obviously, something's got to be a little different than just, you know, having them make up their uh, regular character sheets. Uh, there's got to be a feel of some sort of power, right? If, if you're the kind of DM that doesn't want your, your players to have crazy amounts of power, a demigod <laughs> story is maybe not for you. Uh, no. So let's, let's talk about that. How do you do that um, with your PCs being demigods? How do you bring about this sense of godly power in mortal form obviously aram you've had a lot that you've done with this so how did you go about this how does this come out in both podcasts and in your world and your books how do you bring about this demigod power in your players so because i do it in a podcast i had it's actually a really good trial by fire because you figure out like things have to be done at a certain pace, especially when you're on video. You can't just have giant long gaps where people are trying to figure out what's happening. So you had to, I had to lay a system on top of, in my case, uh, 5e uh, Dungeon and Dragons that would work with and complement, but not, and seem powerful and feel powerful, but not make everything else that had already been done useless. Like, like, you know, if you never ever use your core abilities, then what's the, what's the point of being different from every else so i had to fiddle with it and i think we had a really nice balance where they've got these abilities they can do all the time at any time because they are demigods and the fact that divinity works independently of magic they touch each other they influence each other but but for instance if you cast dispel magic it doesn't get rid of a divinity so there's different layers of how powerful these abilities are and and how they work with each other so that it makes it feel unique and special as opposed to just having like an extra level of spells, you know? (laughs) So I used the God's Fall world book for a game that I was running. It was a higher level Undermountain campaign. But I knew 
kind of where it was going to end. So I wanted things to be more powerful without necessarily leveling people up and also to have a very interesting story. So each of the four characters basically had to battle some level of deity and would then basically steal their portfolio. And that's easier to represent by all of a sudden they have the divinity of something at 12th level. So then it really does feel like I am a demigod right out the gate because I've stolen all this power from someone else (laughs) through going to where they are and defeating them and then taking that power in. So I think I did war flight. Flight was amazing. It was so ridiculous and I loved every minute of it because the character that got it was uh, Lisa Penrose and so then she was playing uh, a kobold named Courage who was terrified of everything and it was a rogue so then when they did a lot of damage it was basically like I've stuck my sword out and don't know what I'm doing but then I've done all this damage (laughs) eyes closed just hoping for the best and then received the power of a lot of flight so were they also afraid of heights I, they were afraid of life, <laughs> and then of course oh, yes. we're named we're named Courage. Uh, right, it was a beautiful, so beautiful character. Oh, that's the best. But yeah, so essentially they took over portfolios. So it was an mm. abrupt, intentional method of becoming a demigod when I had them do it. Yeah, it's basically you pull the sword from this, you know, uh, from the stone. You're instantly transformed into this mythical being. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, I've I'm actually DMing two campaigns right now. That well, I'm, I'm DMing more than that, but um, two campaigns that have a demigod uh, in it, uh, which was fantastic. And one of the things that, like, I was like, I want to talk about demigods, and then we got Aram to come on the show, which is fantastic. But in the one campaign that I'm playing at my home table, all the characters are playing some different form of like really powerful. So you have one character that has like a sword that makes him the greatest swordsman in all of the world. But without that sword, he's nothing. He's, he's a one hit point peasant, which hasn't happened yet, but we're waiting for that reveal. Uh, you have one character that was created by a God. Uh, and then you have another character who is a demigod, the son. He's a rocks. He's the son of the great Rhino. And his power set kind of is like Luke Cage from the Marvel comic books. He can he, he has unbreakable skin. And so the way that I did this for all of my players is I created a homebrew set of power cards. They each get 10 coins that represent 10 power points a game, and they can use these coins to use their special abilities. So they not only have their regular character sheets, but they have these power cards that like so with the with this this character Thanek, the son of the great rhino, he can all of a sudden activate it so that his skin is unbreakable to certain damages. Uh, so he just rushes into battle and you have like trolls coming down with clubs trying to destroy him. And there's this confusion because the clubs are breaking. <laughs> he's still attacking them. Nothing's happening. It is certainly at times it's just like, Oh my gosh, like how do I even hurt this guy? Yeah. And so I have to, as a DM, come up with very interesting strategies that the enemies would come up with in order to make it a challenge, which to me has like maybe that's something that past uh, Mitch would be like, I don't know if I want to go there, but I found it to be really fun to be able to go. Here are some crazy powers that I've given to you. 
And now I have to really step up my game to make these battles challenging. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it took uh, – I remember – did you guys watch that um, show Torchwood, which was the Mm -mm. spinoff of Doctor Who? There was a – a character, Jack Harkness, who was made immortal, who was locked in time, and therefore, even when he was killed, would always return to this state of being alive that he was locked in. And I thought, oh, that's going to be tough for the story writers. How are they ever going to put him in peril? And it was like so interesting how it made it so much worse for the character. Like having this ability in certain instances was great, but it was always torturous and it always affected everything around them. And there was new and interesting ways to torture this poor guy because of this, uh, you know, ability. So in I love giving my players super powerful abilities in a world where others can have them because it just means that other characters can have them too. Yeah. And eventually <laughs> there's going to be a team that rises up against them too. And there's ways that you can make them feel and also there's creatures like you know okay now you got a team that can maybe actually take on the Terrascue at higher levels, right? Yep. And so it's like okay, you can play at the higher levels of the game. You can activate the statues of Water Deep and have them charge against superheroes or whatever. Like you can really play with all the toys that you never get to. So that's exciting for uh, me as well. You just touched upon something there too that I think is really great is that especially when you're looking at mythology, most demigods not only have a great power, but they have some sort of, I don't want to say weakness, but some of them are weaknesses, but some of them are just flaws, like something that really makes them mess up a lot of the time. I mean, you have Achilles has the Achilles heel, a, a legitimate weakness, but then a lot of like demigods, it's their pride, right? Like they, they are just because of their power set. They're just like so prideful. Nothing can take me down, which gets them into trouble. And that's something I would throw out to any players that were going to play a demigod is I, here's, here's the power set that we've worked on. You are, incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. But what I want to ask you is what is your great weakness or flaw that maybe comes out of this power, but that is, is like, has been in your past, like a downfall. Yeah. And also because, you know, the typical story with demigods is that the, that the parents are selfish and, you know, didn't have involvement with them as they grew up, didn't know who they were until they discovered it later. So like, how does that abandonment affect their psyche? How do you feel about, finding out that you're this powerful yeah. creature, but you'll always be in the shadow of your parents. And, you know, it's, I think it's a really interesting tie in to people who have experienced these things with their real parents and who have, you know, it's, it's basically the story usually of, you know, the, the child that was abandoned and how does that affect them growing up when they find out, maybe they had a great upbringing by their adopted folks, but they then find out that, their real parent gave them up. And that's that's an interesting way to deal with, you know, A, humanizing a very powerful character and B, giving the DM levers that they can pull on. If they can't hurt you physically, <laughs> they can hurt you emotionally. Your character has a ton of power. <laughs> More power than most mortals can handle. Yep. And they also have quite a bit of trauma. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. do those two yeah. play together? <laughs> and how do you still be a hero? With all of that. Exactly. Or do you even, yeah, or do you even stay the hero? Yeah. Right. Well, like like you said, once you add that, the ideas and the concepts that you can add to put in front of your players just elevates a lot higher. Because the the story that I had done was basically a true dragon was forcing, almost blackmailing the players into getting these powers 
to then help them gain a larger portfolio because they were tired of just being a true dragon and wanted to be something more. <laughs> and they'd offered all these things that the players did want. And so ultimately they fight and kill <laughs> Maglubiot because that was one of basically the dragon said, you can kill anyone you want, any deity you want, and I will take their power. That choice is yours. Which, man, did I love putting that moral quandary in front of them. <laughs> Basically, a god has to die, but you will then give this portfolio to this dragon. And so they chose Maglubiot because one of the characters was a goblin and wanted to get his people out from under that thumb. Hmm. So, yeah, you, you can definitely do some stuff at a way higher concept level the second you start adding in demigods and their powers. And honestly, who's watching them? That which going back to the very beginning, that's the key is who is watching them. Is it their parents? Maybe. Is it everyone else that doesn't want them to become their parents? Maybe. I think there's a, a, another thing that happens in a lot of myths demigods are in. Uh, and I'd be really interested to hear if this is something that's played a part in, in your stories, Aram. But it doesn't just seem to be in a lot of demigod myths, the power that is gained from being the son or daughter of a god that demigods are given. A lot of the times, uh, whether they take it by force or whether their parent like bestows it as a gift, they get other sources of power. So a father granting his daughter, the demigod, a sword created in the forge of the gods that is, is maybe that's one of the only weapons that can hurt gods. Uh, you think of uh, Perseus having Pegasus, who you could make another argument for as a demigod, just <laughs> as a flying horse. Um, but like there are these gifts or these things that as a demigod through your conquests, you can start to take that really stack on that power even more. Has that come into play in, in the world of God's Fall? Yeah, it came into play almost immediately, actually, because the <laughs> the demigod of bones, uh, who is played by Nikki on our show, uh, they were like, "Can I just have a really large femur?" And we'll fill in the details later. And I was like, "Sure." So they start with this femur bone that's like taller than they are, and it definitely is like directly attached to their divine parent. But mm -hmm. and we're kind of like working out the finer details of it. But yeah, I mean, like, like if, if your players want things and they're cool and they don't like drastically upend the balance of the campaign, sure. Like, you know, can I have a fox that I communicate with mentally? Why not? Can I have, you know, this, the order of my robes of my priesthood are always clean regardless of, sure. Like it doesn't, like, if it's just a cool story thing, absolutely add it in. If it's a powerful thing that changes the game, just make sure it's balanced and maybe write in a system where, okay, it's this powerful now, but as you grow in power, so will it. So you can you know, make it cool, but keep being cool. Because the thing that I hate most about any role-playing game or any online RPG for that matter, or any RPG period is that you get this amazing sword, like, a, like you know, in the early levels. And it's this a sword forged by the gods. And it's, oh, it's so amazing. And then by eighth level, you're like, well, that sucks compared to this plus two long sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you just chuck it to the side. I hate that. So if you're going to do something like that, it should... I think evolve with a character. Mm -hmm. The revelation can continue to come. Powers can continue to manifest 
in this item. Yeah, but having that item or that gift, whatever it is, constantly play a part and be important to that character. Yeah. And I think what you were saying, there's a cautionary tale here, right? Like, as as we've said, like, if you're going to play a game with PCs as demigods, this is the time to not say, I don't want them to be that powerful. Ooh, uh, but <laughs> with your... <laughs> There's a cautionary tale here to say, but at the same time, like give out what you think you can handle or at the very least that you're willing to take that challenge of yeah. um, rather than giving out too much. And then the campaign falling apart because you're just like, ah, too much. Yeah. And you don't want to make one character. You don't want to like, like, like one character, the superstar and make the other characters feel left out. And that's really easy to do when you're home a brewing and not quite, it's not quite as balanced because you're kind of finding it in the game, right? So just be aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still just stuck on be prepared. This fundamentally changes what they can and can't do. And <laughs> as prepared as I was, I was not prepared in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, um, which but- is also fun. It's fun when the characters look at their abilities and be like, oh, well, you didn't think of this. <laughs> they just completely pull over you yep. in a new way. And it's like, oh, and you have to adopt to it. But yeah, I yeah, I love that. Neil, I, I want to let's let's throw this over to you, Neil. You're you had courage. You're running a new game, whatever it is. You have mm-hmm. demigods as PCs. The games you're going to run, I feel like they have to have quests. They have to have adventures that are worthy, that are maybe a little bit different because you have demigods in game. What are quests and adventures that you send these PCs on? If you go down the road I went one of the easiest set of quests is to obtain demigod powers for the rest of the people. And maybe it is that a certain character has a spotlight for an amount of time because they have received it first. But for the game I played, it was consecutive. Basically, I ran two sessions and two of the four players, each of those sessions received powers. And it was more, some of it was more of a a mental mindscape kind of thing because I had Celeste Conowich take over the divinity of emotion. So it was, I mean, in all honesty, it was kind of a more kumbaya situation. Mm -hmm. And so there was these initial concepts that I would have the player present and Celeste was, her character was going on this emotional ride with them. And depending on how she rolled was kind of how that character interacted with those emotions, if it was better or worse and going through that process of feeling emotion. So you don't have to have everything be a battle, but I gave each character a very pointed spotlight as they all went through these different quests to get their divinity. And that could be how the whole campaign goes, is that your players just want to take other people's divinities because they feel like they can do better with them or they just want them. I mean, there's a lot of motivation to just have, you know, a whole bunch of power. Have them go against the god is, uh, against the gods is a <laughs> a definite path you can take demigods on. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, and or each other. I mean, one of the things I one of the rule sets with uh, Rise is that there are demigod powers up until tenth level that you'll naturally gain, and you'll keep leveling as a normal thing, right? But you can also like jump level. So if you're level five and you and you kill another demigod that's equivalent, you know, fourth, fifth, or sixth level, right? You take some of their ability and you jump up to sixth level as a demigod, but you're still fifth mm. level as a person. So when you get to 10th to advance as a demigod, you got to eat other demigods. You have to make that decision 
to, or just protect yourself from those who are. And so it's interesting, like, you know, well, can we kill the evil demigod and take their abilities and use them for good? Does that, does that make it good? We kill people anyway, all the time, <laughs> you know, can, yeah. can we actually consume this person's soul and use it for good? And that's a tough moral place to put your, you know, your characters in regardless of their motivations. I love that though. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's setting up for maybe a, a much darker storyline because maybe these characters want wanted at least when they started off to use their powers for good and to be heroes but when you have that constant golden carrot in front of you that every time you take it it's it means death to somebody else yeah and not just death but like yeah obliteration yeah. you consume oh, yeah. them you consume all their abilities all the, they they just they they become nothing and then it's like, it's like it's like the i do a lot of and i think a lot of demigods now especially with marvel movies you know the superheroes have basically become our new pantheon yeah. right yep. so you take rogue from the x-men and when she borrows someone's powers it's kind of bad but if she holds on for a long time, she just way worse. literally <laughs> consumes the whole individual. And it's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. And, and the way that it changes her life and who she is is really impactful to the character. So I think that, that that's a nice little guidepost that I was using. And going back to what we were talking about before, if you're taking this route, you're having demigods who have experienced trauma in their lifetimes and that could lead to even a, a heart that wants to do to do good being caught up in that moment when there's somebody across the way that has hurt them in some way, whether on purpose or by accident. And in that moment, if you hold on like Rogue too long, it may not have been even something you were consciously trying to do, but you're still going to have that. One, you're going to have the the powers, but you're also going to have to deal with the consequence of that. Yeah, yeah, and all power has consequence, and that's what the, it's a really important lesson. If you're going to give your players more power, if you're going to put them outside of the normal ideas of the game, because I mean, again, if you're a tenth level wizard, I mean. You're pretty godly in yeah. D&D. It's pretty impressive what you can pull off. So if you're going to put your characters above that and make them separate from that, there have to be heavy, heavy consequences and responsibilities for having that ability. And the world has to adapt. Like, systems would be put in place. People would react to these creatures being present and known in a fantasy world, especially in a fantasy world where you can use magic to, re to recreate technology, like sending messages over vast distances instantly, right? This, there'd be so much more communication about what would be going on. You have to have the world adapt to these creatures and be a place where they fit in and have, have clearly existed for some time. Right, unless you're going to do an emergence a story. But if you're not, if you're part of the fabric, the fabric has to feel like they're present, not just, you know, 13th century stage sets that you drop superheroes into. Thinking about quests that demigods can go on, we, we've talked a lot about this, like, against the gods or against the demigods, right? The other demigods trying to <laughs> ever search for more power. But uh, another route you can take, of course, is, like, doing quests for the gods, uh, whether it's in an attempt to, um, maybe it is still an attempt to gain more power because, uh, your father or your mother appears to you and says, I have a quest for you to go on. And 
this is to prove yourself worthy of true godhood. Yep. I want you, my son, my daughter, to rise, uh, but in, you can't. I can't just do that. There are ways that we as gods do things, and so a quest to look for that ascension, or just a quest to to go on a quest for the gods, because there there's some evil or good, depending on your evil or good, right, in the world that needs to be destroyed. Aram, you brought it up before, but this is the campaign, man. This is the campaign to pull out the Tarrasque, to pull out yeah. those mythical yeah. monsters. This is the yeah. campaign even to pull out that Tarrasque and say, more. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> right. not just the Tarrasque. We're going to have two Tarrasques, which, it, like, I know that's against D&D lore, but no, it doesn't sure. matter. It's your homebrew yeah. world. Two Why Tarrasques not? that are pulling a giant cart that on the back of it has some mythical creature that uses Tarasks as horses, right? Yeah. To draw, like, it's like a chariot. Yeah. Like this is, wow. this is the campaign to say the monsters that they're going to fight are going to be things of legend that, yeah. that at thousands of years after this campaign has finished, they're still going to be telling these stories. They're going to have storybooks. Kids are going to go to bed learning about how either evil was destroyed or evil won that day <laughs> or evil took hold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like, and with the, uh, with the, uh, terrace, it could be also be like, what if that just got through, like in the creation of the universe or the world, all these dimensions tied into each other and one got through. Well, now some evil water God wants to open that up and let all of them through, right? Like you have to stop that. And it puts it at levels. Like it can't just be, oh, we met in a tavern and we fought some rats in the basement. Like that, you can't do that <laughs> with Debbie gods. You have to up the stakes a little bit, you know? Absolutely. We are the lords of rats. Yes, we are the lords of basement <laughs> yeah, extermination. Those better be some amazing rats. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'll tell you what, I do kind of want to start a D&D game where it's just a crew of people who go from one tavern to the, to, you know, to the next exterminating rats. Like that's literally what they do. That's that sounds great. <laughs> oh, gosh. They're unionized and hate that other adventurers do their work for them. No, you're right. We're the rat cleaning crew. You can't do that. A campaign where you're doing fantasy exterminators, right? Like, yeah. They roll up in their cart and they've got like a rat on the side of it. Yeah, and, with a big nose symbol yep. through it, right? And like if there are like outside adventurers hired, they show up with like their big inflatable rat, like boo scabs. <laughs> Get out of our town. Oh, gosh. That's fantastic. All right. So I think the last thing we want to transition into uh, before we wrap up is, of course, homework. Throwing it out there, uh, is there anything, whether it's a book, a comic, a video game, who, a TV show, movie, whatever, that can be great for listeners out there who are wanting to dive into a campaign where they're either going to introduce a demigod as an NPC, that's something we didn't really talk about as much, but like, or jump into a campaign where, yes, now their players are demigods. What's some good homework for our listeners to go check out? I mean, my blueprint has always been X-Men. I am a, I have loved X-Men and the idea of them and the fact that their powers usually adhere to a path. So like there's ice and then there's things that branch off of ice or there's, you know, mind reading and things that branch off of that. And there there's there's a very recent X-Men storyline where they're talking about how the mutants have mutant powers, but some mutants are Omega-level mutants. Like, they have no idea what the limits okay, of question. their powers can be. Is Omega Red an Omega-level mutant? 
I'm assuming so. I haven't gotten that far into it, but I would hope so, right? Yeah. So it sets up this interesting dynamic between, yeah, we're all mutants, but some of us are Mm -hmm. super mutants. And I think that that's a really interesting concept because there's going to be very powerful people in a D&D world, right? Or in a fantasy setting that has magic and tools the gods just left lying around. And so, like, like, how does that compare? How how do they line up against the others? If there's five of them, are they... a powerful enough group to help fight bad demigods. What would the mortals do? And that's, to me, that's a really interesting uh, take on the powers in general and how they could stack up in this world. And the world building is spectacular. So I would suggest that highly. I don't know if you've heard recently, but there's, I couldn't do it with a straight face. Go listen to God's Fall or Rise of the Demigods (laughs) or purchase the God's Fall world book or Rise of the Demigods. Um, It's what I did and it worked out really well for me. Oh, good. Uh, we, I, I, because I love this game so much, we will 100% have an episode on it at some point. But the new God of War game is my favorite game, video game of all time. I've, I've, it's hard to say that about something that's somewhat newer, but I've decided narratively, visually, gameplay wise, it's just so great. But narratively, it is a, fantastic source of inspiration if you're looking for a game uh, to give you ideas about how to bring demigods into your world. Not even so much as the main character Kratos, but watching Kratos with his son and how his son is learning throughout the game the powers that he possesses. I can't say enough good about that game. It's phenomenal. If you haven't played it, you should play it. Wow. Boom. And Aram's been nodding in agreement the whole time. So It's a gorgeous game. And you're right. The uh, the storytelling in it is excellent. And how they kind of really reveal. Because uh, you're never quite sure, like, oh, which culture, which, which like, like where are they coming from with this character? And the reveals are always excellent. So I couldn't suggest that more. And I think it's on sale right now. So pick there you that go. one up. And I think yeah. it's, a, it's a fantastic source of inspiration, too, with everything we've talked about, especially in the sense of, like, rising that level of the epic right in in a story because that game does that yeah (laughs) there are no times where kratos uh, is going to taverns killing rats that doesn't (laughs) no no his no his rat killing days are long gone (laughs) (laughs) uh don't know where to go after that but (laughs) i do have a very important question for you aram where can people go on the internet to find all of the awesome content that you are putting out uh, I put most of my stuff out on Twitter at Vartian. You could also go to my website, aramvartian.com or to godsfall.com or demigodsfall.com. And we use this, the same handles on Twitter and YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and Instagram. And I don't know, we may have a Snapchat. I honestly don't know, <laughs> but it's the same thing. Just look for God's Fall and that's going to be us. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for coming on to the show. We love having you on and discussing demigods with us today it was my pleasure to come on and talk about something that i talk about all the time anyway (laughs) (laughs) well i hope that you enjoyed this episode and this discussion as much as we did being able to have it with aram thanks again to him for joining us here on the dungeon masters block if you'd like to get in touch with us maybe tell us about a game where you've put a demigod into your world whether it was an npc or a pc or maybe a whole group of pcs you can get in touch with us by writing us an email to dungeonmasterblock 
at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, if you enjoy listening to all the episodes that we make, would you be so kind to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review? It really goes a long way to helping us to reach more people who either are Dungeon Masters or maybe through this podcast can get the spark that they want to start rolling die behind the screen. And of course, if you leave a review, we will read it on air. You can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block. Or you can go and follow our Facebook page or do both of those things. If you want updates about the show, those are the two best places to go. We have a Patreon member shout out this week. And this week's Patreon member shout out goes to... Joe Ferreira! Thank you so much, Joe. Joe is a gold dragon. So, Joe, this week you get to check out those power cards, that bonus podcast. We hope that you're enjoying all the rewards on our Patreon page. But thank you just so much for being willing to support this show and all the shows on our network. And I hope that I got your last name right. If I didn't, so sorry. The Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network. Check out our other shows like Geek Wars, We're So Bad at Adventuring, Detentions and Dragons, and more. And that's all that we have for you today on this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all other people at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Mitch, reminding every single one of you to always keep on Dungeon Mastering. It's not inspiration, it's not wisdom, and it's bad advice. At the moment when a PC dies in your campaign, why stop at ripping up their character sheet in front of the player? Keep secretly a hammer hidden behind your DM screen so that you can pull it out and smash to pieces their custom $30 Hero Forge mini. Goodbye.